Thanks. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me now? Great. We're going to turn in the Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at some uh, familiar verses this evening. And hopefully we'll bring some fresh insights to it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tonight. Where it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Lord, as we look into your word tonight, we ask once again, God, that you would open our hearts. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what your spirit is saying. Lord, as we consider the race that is set before us, the course that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. You've called us to run with endurance. Help us, teach us, Lord, what that means tonight because we want to finish the race, Lord. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So bless our time in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at our need for endurance. Why do we need endurance? Raise your hand if sometimes life gets hard, <laughs> okay? Is there times when you just feel like you just want to quit? You just want to be done? You would uh, like to buy a ticket to wherever land one way and check out, fall off the radar, however you want to put, put it? Someone said, life is hard, and then you die. This is supposed to be encouraging, so <clears throat> I promise it will be. Tonight, we're going to look at the fact that each one of us has a race to run. Each one, of has, each one of us has been given a course by God that is unique, unique to each one of us. It's your race. No one else has a race and a course that is quite like yours. And you don't know what's around the next bend, and you don't know where the finish line is. But after the finish line, just like at the Olympic Games, after the finish line is the award ceremony, where we stand before the judge and we receive awards, rewards, based upon how we ran the race. And did we run according to the rules? And did we finish the race? These are all things that will be considered at that reward ceremony. So there are things about your course that is unique to you, but there are challenges that are common to all of us as runners of the race of faith. There are things that are common to all of us that require all of us to run with endurance if we're going to stay the course, if we're going to finish the race and receive the reward. So what are some things that are common to all of us that challenge our ability 
to run with endurance. One thing that's common to all of us, obviously, is our humanness. The fact that we all have flaws, we all have weaknesses, we all have issues, we all are born with this propensity to sin, we, we have that sin nature. The Apostle Paul spelled out the law of sin uh, for us in the book of Romans, especially in Romans chapter 7. He talks about that struggle within, the flesh that wars against the spirit. And if you remember the end of Romans 7, he asked the question, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Then as you probably know, he goes into chapter 8 and he explains the solution for overcoming self. And that's walking in the spirit. So one thing that challenges all of us in our ability to run with endurance, again, is our humanness, our fallen sinful nature, the flesh that wars against the spirit. Another thing that we have in common as runners of this race of faith is the world in which we live, the ungodly culture and its constant influences that bombard us with its ungodly counsels. The world is continually trying to press us into its mold and to conform us, which reminds us of another great verse uh, in Romans, which happens also to be a chapter 12. Verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So we have our humanness, our flesh, we have the world and, and the, the ungodly culture challenging our ability to run with endurance. And a third thing, of course, is the devil and the spiritual hosts of wickedness that oppose us and come against us. The spiritual battles that involve uh, the deceptions and the temptations and the agenda that they have to destroy our lives. Your ability to run your race and my ability to run my race with endurance will greatly be hindered if we do not learn how to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And as it says in Ephesians 6, to put on the whole armor of God that we may stand against the wiles of the devil. So the world, the flesh, and the devil, they all challenge us in our ability to run our race with endurance. And because of these, we all have hardships, trials, temptations. There's pain and there's suffering. We know all of that. So tonight, we're going to look at these verses in, in Roman, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at the counsel that we receive. Because there are things that we can do that will enable us to run our race with endurance. We are able to run with endurance as, number one, as we look to the examples of others who have gone before us. We are able to run with endurance as we remove things in our lives that hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And number three, we are able to run with endurance as we follow the example that Jesus has set for us and we continue to put our trust in him. 
So it's fun to consider what went on in the life and the mind of the Apostle Paul as he writes his letters to the churches. He obviously, he loved word pictures and illustrations and analogies, even a play on words from time to time to, to make his point. He followed the example of Jesus by using modern day illustrations to teach spiritual truth. In these verses, he talks about a cloud of witnesses, the laying aside of weights, the running of a race. If you've studied these passages before, you know that he's probably referring to the Olympic Games. It's easy for us to imagine the Olympic Games. How many of you have actually been to the Olympics? Anybody? A few of you. Okay. Vancouver, maybe? Close by? All right. We get to watch it on television, so it's next to the best thing to being there, right? We get to watch it. So we can imagine being at the Olympic Games. I'm, I would assume the Apostle Paul actually attended a few Olympic Games and sat there in the crowds, I don't know, um, watching the athletes get ready for the race, strapping on these weights on their legs to train and to increase their strength. I think they still sell these leg weights in the uh, sporting goods store, do they not? It's, it would be the same as a, a batter grabbing several bats and swinging the bats to strengthen his arms. When I go golfing, I grab a bunch of golf clubs and I swing them around just to intimidate the other players. <laughs> they're, they're wondering what's up with this guy, okay? But they, the, the point he makes is that they would always remove these weights before they would run the race. The whole idea when running the race is to free yourself up from as much weight as possible so that you can run with endurance and make it to the finish line. It would be ridiculous to keep those, those weights on when you go to run the race. So his encouragement to all of us who are living this life of faith and running our races, he says that the Christian life can be compared to these runners and to this long distance race. And we must be aware of the things that hinder us and that the things that hinder our, abil our ability to run with endurance. What is endurance? I looked it up just to get it right. It says endurance is the ability or the strength to continue or to last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or adverse conditions. Endurance is stamina. I love that word, stamina, okay? So number one, we are enabled to run with endurance when we look to the example of those who have gone before us. Notice he starts by saying, consider the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. Since he, be, since he started with the word therefore, we understand that he's rever, referring to all of those that have run the race before us, many of whom are listed in the previous chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. These are called the heroes of faith those who endured hardship and persecution as they walked with God and trusted in his promises and depended on his faithfulness. And since these are now all in heaven, they've died and gone to heaven, the question is, are they now looking down on us from some heavenly grandstand watching us, watching our progress? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's what he's saying, um, uh, I, I don't know of any scripture that supports that idea. There are many people who have that, that idea when their loved ones die and go to, they, they believe they go to heaven and now they're looking down 
on them and, and watching them. The word witness actually uh, doesn't mean spectator. It's, it, we get the, our English word martyr from this word witness. So the writer is actually saying, consider all of those who have run the race before you. It's not about a cloud of wit witnesses looking down on you. It's about you looking at them. It's about us looking to their example. He just reminded us uh, in chapter 11 of, of heroes of faith like Abel and Enoch, Noah and Abraham, Jacob and Joseph and Moses, all of these who chose to walk by faith. They ran the race that was set before them and they finished the work that God gave them to do. They ran with endurance as they believed God and trusted in his promises. And they all died, it says, having a good testimony as they lived as pilgrims and strangers on the earth, not having received all that God had promised, but they died in faith. They crossed the finish line. Paul used the same example, uh, same picture um, near the end of his life. When he wrote to Timothy, he said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but to also all who have loved his appearing. So again, we, number one, we are enabled to run with endurance when we look to the example of the others who have gone before us. And these are real people. Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, real people who by, by faith endured hardships, who set specific examples that can be a source of encouragement to us in our specific struggles and difficulties. For example, are there times when you feel overwhelmed in the job that you've been given to do? Well, look to the example of Moses. Moses was given quite a job, wasn't he? To lead millions of people through the wilderness. Have you ever driven through the desert and when the, you see those signs that says, next rest area, 180 miles, or next service station, who knows where, you know, you're heading into the desert. Moses didn't even get those signs. He had to trust God to provide, to guide and provide and sustain him and all these people for his whole 40-year career. <laughs> That's a tough job. Look to the example of Moses who endured by faith. Are there times when you feel rejected? or you feel alone, or sold out by somebody, or misunderstood, or unfairly treated, look to the example of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers, and when he had the chance for payback, he forgave them. And by faith he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So these are not just stories of people of faith that are that are great stories to tell the children in Sunday school. These are stories for us, as it says in Romans 15, 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. They're real people. There's a great little verse in James 5. It talks about another hero of faith, and that's Elijah. 
But it says specifically about Elijah, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. In other words, he was no different than you or I. Yet God did amazing, amazing things through the lives of these who walked by faith. They weren't some superheroes, super saints. They are people just like us who chose to walk by faith and put their trust in God and his faithfulness. They endured in spite of great difficulties and challenges. There's a long list of heroes of faith. I was been reading a, a book recently uh, called Slaves by John MacArthur. It's a great book. And he lists the, a lot of the heroes of faith uh, beginning um, with the, the beginning of the church and all through church history, these men that, that endured by faith, some all the way to, to uh, martyrdom and gave their life uh, as they, they finished the race. I was thinking of, our, uh, of the contemporary examples that we have in, in our own generation. Some, some are still with us. Some have died recently. But there's many we can look to to be inspired by their endurance. I think of Chuck Smith who died last October at the age of 86, the man God used to start the Calvary Chapel movement. He faithfully endured and finished his race. Uh, Same with a guy like Chuck Colson who died in 2012. He finished the race having founded Prison Fellowship. For me, there are guys like I look to like uh, uh, for many years, Chuck Swindoll, Billy Graham, James Dobson, who the, these guys that are they're reaching the finish line. The greatest example, of course, is Jesus himself. And we'll look at, look at his example in just a moment. But again, we are, we are unable to run with endurance when we look to the example of those who have gone before us. Number two, we are unable to run with endurance when we remove things that hinder us and the sin that entangles, entangles us. Notice that he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us or entangles us. Before we look at what that, the weights represent, let's talk a little bit more about what it means to run the race. First of all, we're looking at an illustration or an analogy, and uh, it's important that we don't carry an analogy too far because, as you know, you, you keep going with it and it tends to break down and it leaves the path of truth and it gets all kind of weird. But an analogy is good to the, to the point where it gets us thinking in the right direction. So, for example, the race is not about competing with the, the person next to you to see how fast you can get to the end, to the finish line. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. The race, your race, the course that you have, with its hurdles and its twists and its turns and its hills and its valleys, the course that is unique to you uh, and unique to me, we all have this course. But it's interesting, the rules apply to us all. We're all in the same arena when it comes to the rules of godliness. But that aside, let's talk about your course. Think about your course the course that's been given to you. There are conditions that come with each one of our course. For example, the family that you were born into is is a condition of your course. The family you were born into, the country and city in which you live, the employment that you have, 
the people that you influence, the abilities that you possess, the church to which you belong, the resources that are available to you, all these contribute to the condition of the course, your course and my course that is unique to us and the race that we are called to run. Now, I imagine over the, over the course for every one of us is a, is a banner that says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Seek first the kingdom of God. And whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy's course. The apostle Paul wrote to Timothy to encourage him to run his race with endurance. Timothy's race, his course, which was given to him by God, was to pastor a church. He was left in Ephesus to shepherd the people and to teach and exhort and defend the faith and to stand against the heretics. Paul wrote to him and said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's encouraging him to run with endurance. Then he says something else that's very interesting in in 2 Timothy chapter 2, which pertains, I think, to all of us. He says, Timothy, remember, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And if you read through 1 and 2 Timothy, a lot of things are laid out for us. A lot of principles to live by, rules to live by in terms of, of pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith and love rules to run the race by. So again, regardless of your course and the work that God has given you to do, we are all in the same arena as runners with the same set of rules. Rules for training, there's rules for running, and there's rules that will need to be followed in order to finish. Some of the rules are in our text here tonight in Hebrews chapter 12. A very important rule to live by in order to be able to run the race with endurance as it says there, is to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Again, number two, we are enabled to run with endurance if we remove the things that hinder us and the sin that entangles us. So now back to what do the weights represent? The weights, the, the weights that those, those athletes were putting on to strengthen their legs, those weights were good things. They were good things. But it, when, it, when it came to actually running the race, which would require endurance to reach the finish line, the weights would have to be removed. Sound like, am I speaking to oracles of God now? Is that, <laughs> did you flip the switch? Okay. The weights had to be removed. So what is he teaching us? The question is, Are there things that you're allowing in your life that are not necessarily bad things? They could actually be considered good things. But for you, for your particular course, they weigh you down. They hinder your progress. They may rob you of precious time and opportunity. Maybe something that has become an idol in your life or an obsession or an addiction. Speaking of, how many of you have heard of Words with Friends? Okay, is this online Scrabble game? I know Charlene has. <laughs> it is so cool. It's like you can play like a dozen different people at once. You can play your friends around the world. You can chat with them and say, you know, nice move, you know, while you're playing Scrabble. 
I mean, I found myself playing it every chance I could for, for, for quite a while until my wife pointed out that I was allowing a good thing, a fun thing, to crowd out some of the best things. Listening to her, for example. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I hope that speaks to you. But that's the question, though. Seriously, have you allowed a good thing to weigh you down in following the Lord? Maybe it's become all-consuming. Maybe it's caused you to lose sight of seeking first the kingdom of God. Maybe you have an unhealthy interest in something that's continually preoccupying your mind, that's slowing down your progress. What we'll see in this pa passage is we need to be looking unto Jesus continually. We need to put him first in our lives and sanctify the Lord in our hearts. And then he says there's the sin that so easily ensnares us. James says we stumble in many ways. So there's a lot of stumbling, right? Amen? There's a lot of stumbling. Things that can trip us up, things that don't, but there are things that don't necessarily mean we get off course or, or that we've stopped running the race. They're stumblings. James says we stumble most with what? The tongue. Remember? We stumble most in the words that we say. The other night, uh, my wife and I were getting ready to go to bed, and I opened the back door to let the cat in, and along with the cat ran in a mouse. <laughs> and so I gra grabbed a golf club I had in the corner, but that thing not only ran under the couch, it ran up into the couch. Ooh, I was so mad. And so in, in, a, in a not the best frame of mind, I went to move, move the couch and I pushed over a TV tray that had all kinds of stuff on it and fell all over the floor and I made this huge mess. And I was already ticked at the mouse. And um, it's amazing to me what can come out of our mouths <laughs> in certain situations. But that's a stumbling, Amen. That's a stumbling. I know I can, I can confess that to the Lord. God, will for, God forgives me. God will cleanse me. I can get right back running the race and, and, and walking with the Lord, following the Lord. I got the mouse. I did get the mouse with, with a, a five iron, I think. But anyways. Um, but here's the thing. There are stumblings, but then there are sins that we can allow to entangle us. Have you ever tried to walk through a patch of blackberry vines? It's not a good idea. <laughs> Be sure you have long pants on when you do that, by the way. But if you try to, try to move through a patch of blackberry vines, most of you who live around here will know that they, they start to just cling to you like, like nobody's business. They latch on to your pant legs, they wrap around your ankles, and if you keep going, it hurts. Those thorns will start to rip into your flesh. What do you need to do at that point? I've learned, you stop. <laughs> you stop and you do what's necessary to get those off, to, to free yourself. You don't ignore them, you don't think you can tolerate them and keep going. You admit that you're entangled. 
You, and it's slowing you down. It's causing you pain. Sin is like that. Sin is destructive. If we just rationalize, compromise, and we keep going, we refuse to face them and to repent, sin will bring destruction in our lives. It entangles us. It hinders our spiritual progress until we humbly take responsibility and confess our sin to the Lord. So that's the question. How about you? Is there something that you've allowed in your life that's entangled you? It's hindering you from walking with the Lord like thorny vines wrapped around your legs? Is there something where it's, it's time to confess it? It's time to forsake it and get it right with the Lord, to be freed from it so that you can get back up and you can get moving and run the race with endurance. We are, we are enabled to run with endurance when we remove things that hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Number three, we are enabled to run with endurance when we follow the example that Jesus has set for us and continue to put our faith in him. Notice what, is, what it says in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, the author and finisher. Author and finisher means actually that Jesus is the originator. First of all, he's the author and originator of our faith. He's the very author of your faith. That assurance and that confidence that abides within you. Jesus is also the author and the supreme example of what it means to walk by faith. He lived a life of faith, trusting in the Father for all things, finishing the work that the Father gave him to do. So Jesus set for us the su supreme example of what it means, what it looks like to run the race and how to run the race with endurance, never using his divine powers to meet his personal needs. Amen? Very important. I remember growing up thinking, well, that's Jesus. I mean, who, can, who could measure up to that? But when, he, but when he walked among us, he humbled himself right? Never using his divine powers to meet his personal needs. He lived as a man of faith and of prayer. And he endured more, as we know, than any of these heroes of faith. He endured more. He endured the cross. And I hope you'll come this Friday, this Good Friday, to our, our celebration service as we celebrate what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Amen? The cross not only involved unimaginable suffering and pain, but it also involved the shame that the Romans intended to put on those that they were punishing. They intended public humiliation as they crucified people alongside of the road. Jesus endured in spite of the shame. We know that he was opposed by sinful men, he was rejected by his own people and even at a time separated from the Father, having taken our sin upon himself. Jesus endured to the point of shedding his own blood, enduring to the end and finishing the work given to him 
by the Father. But notice something that enabled Jesus to endure, as it says, was the joy that was set before him. Listen to these verses from Psalm 16. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. By faith in this this prophetic word, Jesus endured even to the death of the cross. Jesus believed and Jesus knew that he would rise again. He knew by the power of God that he would conquer death and that he would destroy the work of the devil. This was the joy that was set before him. He knew that he would be received into heaven. He knew that he would be exalted to glory and to to ascend to the presence of the Father. And he knew that a time would come that he would present us, his bride, as it says in Jude, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This was the joy that was set before him. This was the joy that Jesus kept before him with the eyes of faith that enabled him to endure. It's a very same type of joy for you and I. It's really the same kind of joy that is set before us that helps us endure. When life gets hard, we need, to, we need to consider the joy that is set before us. I just talked to my son, Elliot, in uh, uh, Texas. He's at uh, a training camp with the National Guard, and he's got a lot of downtime, a lot of alone time at night, and he's ordering books to read uh, through Amazon. And he said, I'm reading that book, Heaven, by Randy Alcorn. And I said, right on. It's a great book. We need to be reminded of the joy that is set before us. Things like we will be changed into his likeness. We will see him as he is. We will see him face to face. And we will forever be with the Lord. Amen? It's a joy that is set before us. It helps us run our race with endurance. So again, number three, we are enabled to run with endurance when we follow the example that Jesus has set for us and as we continue to put our faith and our trust in him. This is also what it means by looking unto Jesus. As the son looked to the father, we look to Jesus. We look to the son. We look to him not only, this not only means to follow his example, but it means to trust in him. Jesus who promised to never leave us, to never forsake us, but he's right there to lead us. Amen? He's right there to lead us as we run the race. He not only leads us, but he provides the strength for us to run. As one author said, Christ is both the exemplar and the enabler. Would you turn to Isaiah 41? I just want to close tonight by reading these wonderful verses from, excuse me, Isaiah 40. Talks, another place that talks about running without growing weary. Isaiah 40, let's start in verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard 
the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases his strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We need the Lord to renew our strength. Amen? So we have the race to run. We have the course that is set before us. We don't know what's around the next bend. We don't know where the finish line is. But we know that we, we need to be aware of what hinders us from being able to run with endurance. We're unable to run when we look to the examples of others who have gone before us. We're unable to run with endurance when we, re, we remove the things that hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And we run with endurance when we follow the example that Jesus has set and when we continue to put our trust in him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, and how we can picture this Christian life as a long race to run. Lord, and we need to run with endurance. Lord, help us to examine ourselves tonight. Are we allowing anything to hinder us, Lord? Are we allowing anything to entangle us? Lord, we want to get that right with you. Search us, Lord, and try us and see if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the path of everlasting. Lord, thank you for the examples that are recorded in the scriptures. But thank you most of all, most of all Lord, for being the author and finisher of our faith. We look to you, Lord. We want to keep our eyes fixed on you as we continue to run. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. We're just thankful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.